today on CityCast Denver. Patricia Cameron is the most outdoorsy person I know. I've followed her on Twitter for years, and she's always on some trail or camping in some remote part of the wilderness. In 2020, she hiked all 485 miles of the Colorado Trail to raise awareness about the lack of diversity in the outdoors. And that's actually what her whole organization, Black Packers, is all about, to help make Colorado's outdoors more accessible for more people. So now that the weather is turning, I knew Patricia would be a good person to help me get excited about camping, this apparently important Colorado experience that I've been missing. And I knew she could lend some insight onto how to avoid these big crowds I keep hearing about and how to treat the outdoors with the respect it deserves. Today is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Oh, do you, do you mind if I Paul for a second? Because my dog is like... Oh my God, yes, please. Because I got to make sure he's not making the noise yeah, yeah. in the background. I know my lap will pick up everything for one second. Sure, sure. Sorry, I have a little puppy terrier mix. And That's okay. <laughs> we always need my attention. Okay, what were you saying? Sorry about that. Patricia Cameron, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hi, Bree. So, Patricia, I wanted to talk to you because you're like a super outdoorsy adventurer person. And I know from reading writing that you've done about this that you sort of came to this later in life. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I grew up in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a camper. So I, I first kind of wanted to start with getting a little bit of advice from you. How did you find the passion for spending time outdoors? Yeah, um, I got divorced. And I think for many people, divorce can be an interesting transition. And I kind of wanted to find um, a couple things. One, who I was, because I was um, over 30 and had a son. And then secondly, I wanted to make sure my son, who would also be born and raised in Colorado, I wanted him to have the same exposure to the outdoors. And so I started Googling stuff. But for what it's worth, really, I don't even know how I consider myself outdoorsy still. What? Like, I mean, I do stuff in the outdoors, <laughs> but like y'all haven't seen me when I hike. I'm not happy. Like, I, I'm begrudgingly walking. Like this is the best way I can say it. Interesting. The hike is not what you love. I actually never hike. I only hike when I'm backpacking. Then what? What are the aspects of of that outdoor adventure that you really enjoy? I think outdoor adventure for me um, is realizing so many parts of myself that I don't get to experience. Um, in the city, um, I don't get to experience the confidence boost it takes to propel yourself over the miles I like to hike um, and literally just live outside. Um, it's a pretty um, powerful experience to, to sustain yourself over the course of hundreds of miles. Mm, interesting. So I, I, I know from my camping friends that if you want a good camp spot in the summer, you've got to book it like way in advance. And I, I'm thinking about other novice campers like myself who I honestly wouldn't even know where to start. What is the first step in a, in a busy place like Colorado to getting a good camping spot? There are more than one ways, way to go out camping. And I think that for a lot of people who are starting out, state parks are dope because you have the resources of the park. A lot of them have restroom facilities. A lot of them have water facilities. Um, And of course, there are rangers there. So you're never too far 
um, from Rescue or Help if you need it. Um, but there are also other ways to camp in Colorado. And I think that's one of um, our strengths is that we just have so many amazing spots and dispersed camping that people can um, use, like our national forest and BLM land. So if you're starting out, I think state parks are a great way to start, especially if you're not particularly comfortable yet with being in the backcountry. Um, but then again, once you progress from there, um, there are so many more spots to go. Interesting. That's a that's a great approach. Like you, the, uh, state parks have a website, you know, yeah. I mean, you can go <laughs> and pre pre plan and and that's a good a good place to start. So that actually gets to my next question, which is one of the conversations that we're having right now in Colorado is this reservation system for different national parks and state parks. And that started during the pandemic, but they seem to be sticking around to combat this issue of overcrowding. How do you feel about the issue of overcrowding in our parks? Right. Um, I think overcrowding is a particularly sensitive question in Colorado because we're so used to our natural resources and resources and having public land. Um, and I think there's been some negative fallout from that in terms of maybe there has been a different impact than we expected, um, which leads to gatekeeping, which is something I'm not a fan of. Um, and in this world, gatekeeping is not sharing spots or kind of um, being not so kind to new people in the spaces. And I think that the better idea for that is educating people. So I understand that the reservation system um, is meant to prevent mostly um, the issues with impact to our natural environment. And so in my opinion, I'm not too, um, I don't mind the reservation systems too much. I think if we're talking about impact as something that we want to preserve, um, that I believe that that's a, a fair compromise in there that uh, gives the least amount of restrictions um, to people who are trying to access it. Because you have to balance out, you know, access to the world and the public lands while also limiting our, you know, destruction here on the planet. So you're saying you understand the reservation systems from this like purely like lessening the impact situation in terms of just like less people in the space or or more um, more organization around how many folks are maybe utilizing outdoor space at the same time. But then you mentioned that you'd you'd like to highlight education in some capacity. What what do you mean by like educating campers? Right. Um, so I am a Wilderness first responder, a certified interpretive guide, and a leave no trace master educator. I think one of the important parts is um, when we talk about impact, the biggest concern with impact is not just the um, physical presence of people. It's what we leave behind and what we do. And I think the bigger problem is um, not necessarily keeping people from public lands or from recreating. Um, is teaching them how to recreate in a manner that is... Um, uh, conducive to keeping our public lands how they look. And um, that will prevent a lot of the gatekeeping. In my experience, most of the people I've seen who have not followed like leave no trace principles or who have not realized what their impact is, it's truly because they didn't know. Um, one thing we're taught to leave no trace is a glass bottle can stick around here for a million years. And not a lot of people know that. Yeah. But if you educate them and tell them like what it takes to break down um, what you're disturbing, even your steps could be destroying like microorganisms beneath your feet. Once you tell people they're a lot more um, cognizant of what they're doing, but also I feel like if you don't get people invested in the outdoors, um, it's going to be hard to get them to have that kind of commitment. You're explaining my next question, which is I, I didn't quite understand what leave no trace meant. But now I'm seeing it's not just picking up trash. It's how you walk on the ground. Yes. Um, so leave no trace has seven principles about minimizing impact. Um, 
for instance, disposing of your waste properly. That includes, you know, how you pack out your trash, not leaving your bags of poop on the side of the trail, even if you think you're going to come pick them up. Just carry the poop. It's not a big deal. Um, also, how you poop outdoors. That's one of my favorite topics. Um, how to dig cat holes out here in Colorado, which may look different than digging cat holes in Utah. Um, how to urinate, like not peeing on leaves so that deer, deer don't eat the leaves, peeing at the base of the shrub or tree so that they won't eat things off of it. Wow. And you said it can be different in other states. Is that because of like soil makeup or? You see, look, Bree, see, you were outdoors already. <laughs> like you are ready to pee outdoors and I'm stoked for you. <laughs> this is exactly it. Yeah, because like, you know, different areas have different, I call it microorganisms, the whole thing for it, in different layers of the soil. So you don't dig it as deep in the desert um, as you dig here in Colorado. But there's also other things about it. Like you want to have, if you can, have it south facing. Because um, that the sun helps break down and decompose stuff. So there's so many intricacies to it. And like to make it not so overwhelming, it's just simply like, you know, look at the seven principles, look at how you're leaving things and think about how it would look if 100 people came to that spot. How could 100 people um, leave the least amount of impact? So you mentioned this aspect of, of gatekeeping that you're concerned about. What does gatekeeping look like in this in this world. So there's an interesting conversation about geotagging, right? And kind of like posting on Instagram where you are. And I think in people's worst nightmares, 20 Instagram models and 40 teals are going to come and take a picture. Um, and in the real world, that doesn't really happen. But um, I get the idea of more people coming to a spot. And the problem I have with that is, it's just another way of keeping people who have the least amount of access out. Um, and inevitably, someone's going to find that spot, just like you found that spot. And is it better to try to keep people out of a spot or to teach them how to use a spot? Um, because gatekeeping, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to be new in the outdoors to begin with. And it's very uncomfortable when you encounter people who kind of give off a, we don't want you here, get off our lawn vibe. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So you kind of brought this up with the idea of the influencer in, in these public spaces, and I'm thinking about like, the situation at Hanging Lake. Well, Ann and Shannon, you know, we actually have some of my pictures here from when I hiked Hanging Lake this past fall. You know, I saw people firsthand going off the trail. I saw areas closed due to graffiti and in such a beautiful place, it was just so sad. But by this summer, access could be restricted in the name of preservation. It's about finding the right balance. Is this something that is more hysteria driven, like, oh my God, influencers are going to ruin the outdoors? Or is there, do you feel like as a person that's out there in the world of this, there is some truth to the concerns that folks are not respecting that land because of the social media aspect? You know, I think that um, you're going to always have people who may not be prepared for the environment they're going into. And I don't necessarily um, think that that's a social media problem. 
I think that you're going to have beginners and people who want to go to a spot, especially if that spot gets any kind of reputation. Particularly Hanging Lake is beautiful. People want to go. Um, but you also have to notice there's a lot of outdoor social media influencers um, that do a lot of great work around that. Like I could think of Parker, for one, from Inclusive Guide, who has a great TikTok following. And she's spreading the word about, you know, ethical use outdoors. So I think for, you know, whatever one influencer um, might have gone to Hanging Lake and taken a weird picture, there are at least 20 more people um, that may not be influencers, but also in that space that are teaching how to use that space. So I think that social media has in a lot of ways spread a lot of the word about um, impact and ethical use as opposed to people taking pictures of falling off boulders. So I think you're, you're, the word you use is hysteria is right. I think we're looking at these outliers and, and um, kind of imposing a lot of that on a, a group of people when I personally think social media has done a great job of connecting people in ways we haven't done before. Do you think there's an off-the-beaten-path spot or an underutilized park or camping area that you could recommend to folks? You know, what I tell people is, you know, once you get into this kind of life that you're digging, sleeping outdoors, um, that's when I got into backpacking um, because a lot of the spots I can reach are only on foot. You can't drive there. And I learned it the hard way. When I wanted to leave the Colorado Trail at times, I could not get a ride. So I was going to have to walk to the next city anyway which is, I think, the only thing that kept me on. Um, but yeah, so if you backpack and get into that, you can reach a lot more places um, that other people can't reach. And inherently, the crowds are a lot smaller. And so, like, I, do I have a special spot? Probably just Cottonwood, which actually gets a lot of impact. Um, but if you really want to find places that people aren't going to, um, start backpacking. Get on two feet. There's so many places you can reach that uh, the vehicles can't. Patricia Cameron, thank you so much for joining me. Yo, thank you. We haven't waited to talk to you. This is the first time you and I have actually spoken, and we have been mutuals for a very, very long time. I know. I was so excited to do this um, conversation with you. So it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, I wanted to mention I'm headed out to the Pacific Crest Trail this summer. And so I'm going to hike from Kennedy Meadows to the Canadian border. But yeah, it's just me and my backpack for the summer. It's, I'm, I'm very stoked. I'm writing about it for Backpacker Magazine again. And so I will be doing like weekly dispatches from the trail. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Abortion access is officially guaranteed by law in Colorado. The Denver Post reports that yesterday afternoon, Governor Polis signed the Reproductive Health Equity Act, meaning abortions will remain unrestricted in the state, even if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade nationally. The signing comes after lawmakers spent 23 hours straight in debate on the House floor as Republicans tried to stall the inevitable passage of the bill. And Denver, I have a question for you. Do you think we have an accent? If you do, what does it sound like? We want to hear from you. Call the CityCast Denver Accent Hotline at 720-500-5418 and leave us a voicemail either explaining our accent or even better, offering us an example of something uniquely Denver that you say. Oh yes, if you say Denver, you're from Westwood and Athmar or all the way to Green Valley Ranch, we want to hear from you, bud. Thank you. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today Peyton is digging into the federal conspiracy trial that's underway involving the former CEO of DeVita. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Later. real quick. Do you need me to, do you want me to start peeling that for you? Yeah, but I kind of can't do it all the way. That's okay. I can do it real quick. I'll help you. Yeah. There you go, my friend. Yeah, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. Enjoy. Excuse me, you just had to listen to me talk to a four-year-old about peeling an orange. Okay.